Hi, welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he is doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Luke chapter 2 verse 4, if you could read this with me, it says this. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called I told you it doesn't change because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary. There she goes. His betrothed wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed and her water broke. At least that's my translation says. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was. Come on, preach my message with you because there was no room. That's the message today. There's no room for them in the end. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, as much as we say there are no words to describe your worth, God, we're going to try. God, try to say thank you, God. We're trying to, 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 to respond to all that you've done, but how could we, God? You gave up your divinity. You gave up heaven to come to earth. And not just to come as a warrior or as a king, you came as a helpless baby with the sole purpose of dying so that we can live. And God, all that we can do in response is to give you our lives. God, we're grateful, we're thankful. We pray in this moment that you would speak to us. And God, since it's Christmas, we're asking for gifts, a Super Bowl to be specific. If you can bless the black and purple, we'd be ever so grateful. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Before you sit down, high five two people. Tell somebody you have not because you asked not. Come on now. He said, anything you ask in faith. So I'm asking for that big silver trophy. <laughs> you guys doing well? Christmas is always almost here. Y'all ready for Christmas? You're ready to rumble, ready or not? No matter, it's coming. I'm ready for Christmas, but I'm a little concerned because as I'm looking at Christmas, I see this big, ugly monster on the other side of Christmas called 2020. And I'm not ready, y'all. Because as soon as 2020 comes, it starts all over again. The hustle, the bustle, the running and all. I just, I just need a breath. I mean, I'm grateful. This has been a phenomenal year. God has blessed Destiny Church exponentially this year. How many people this has been a phenomenal year for you? How many people this has been a trying year? You, you, you face a few more storms. Come on, anybody like me, it's been a phenomenal year and a trying year all up in the, <laughs> it's been the best of times, it's been the worst of times. It's been busy and I'm like, God, I just want to breathe for one moment. Have you ever been so busy that you started missing important things? 
Like you, you, you're busy and maybe you missed an important event or you missed a phone call or, or if you're like me and I'm a culprit for this, I will pull out my phone and read a text message and respond in my head. Am I the only jacked up person? And I'll not actually type it out until I see the person like a week later and they're giving you the eyes that I hate you because you didn't respond to my text message eyes. And I'm like, what is their, oh. And then you can't respond a week later, it's done. Like you just, you just move. You ever been so busy you missed your exit? <laughs> Am I the only one? It's like busy doing what? You're driving your car. No, you don't understand. I am solving the world's problems in my head as I am driving my car. The next thing you know, there goes your exit. You're in the wrong lane and you're just like, oh, that adds 15 minutes onto the 10 minutes that I was already late. Me, me and my wife, we, we were so busy. We actually missed a flight for the first time in our lives. Because I understand, we fly a lot. We probably flew over 30 times this year. And everybody who travels with me is like, Pastor, you might want to get to the airport a little bit earlier. And I'm like, no. I believe every flight should start with a brisk run through the airport. You, you see, you're going to be sitting on that plane for two hours, for six hours. You got to get the blood pumping. You know what I mean? There's something about takes me back to my football days, Randall Sound Panthers. I mean, just dodging through people, slapping people with my carry-on. You finally get to the end. Mr. Chandler. I love when they call my name throughout the entire airport. <laughs> we got to the airport. We were actually flying. We, we, we never really fly during Thanksgiving or holiday season. All our families here in Maryland. But for this reason, for some reason, we decided to take a trip like right after Thanksgiving. And we get to the airport and it is slammed with everybody going back home. And I'm just like, but here's the thing. I always do this. So I wasn't worried at all. I'm not running, I'm not jogging, I'm laughing, I'm waving. Go to Destiny Church. I don't know why I feel like everybody goes to Destiny Church. I feel like everyone just waving at random people. So your church on Sunday, I didn't see them. <laughs> so we get up to the gate and, and we give you a ticket and, and, and the, the, the gate agent says, uh, um, you're late. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I've been through this like 25 times. I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, you're 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 late. We we can't we can't we can't get you on this flight. There's not enough time to to book your your luggage. I was there about it was like 45 minutes is the cutoff to get your luggage on. We were there 43 minutes before the flight. She said, you you missed it. We can't get your luggage on. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> then I picked my suitcase up and I put it on the scale. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I was just weighing it to make sure it's the right weight before you got on a flight. You got to understand, I've been through this 15 times, and if you're a gay agent here, you know how you guys do. You, you rebuke us. You like to give us a little scolding. You should have got here earlier. You know, you got to be here an hour before this, what it says in the safety manual and all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, just this one time, and it's like 15 times for me, but just this one time, I'm, you know, I'm just ready for the whole normal deal. And she's like, can you please take your, your suitcase off of the scale? I said, oh, you only have to weigh it. I like you. <laughs> And she said, no, you are not getting on this flight. And I'm like, it's two minutes late. I'm like, come on. It's like, it's like Christmas. It's not. But <laughs> can you help me? She's like, and I'm standing there and she's standing there. We're not saying anything. My wife is always uncomfortable in these moments. She's like, we should go. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And she's sitting there and she's I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, looking for another flight for you because you're not getting on this flight. I'm like, hmm. Fine. Yeah, we missed, like legitimately missed our flight. I was 
alone, my wife was even more mad. <laughs> but I don't think there's anybody who's been so busy that they've missed something as major as this innkeeper who was too busy to let Jesus in. Like, can we talk about a dude who messed up? You had the Messiah knocking on your door and you're too busy? You, you know the story, there's this, this young woman by the name of Mary. Theologians believe that she was between the ages of 13 and 15. And an angel came to her and said, you've been chosen by Almighty God to, to be the mother of this Savior of the world. Mary said, that's cool, but her, uh, I'm a virgin. And you're going to explain this to my mama because I'm not dealing with that woman. <laughs> and the angel said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. The Holy Spirit is, is going to uh, 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 be the one. And, and we've already sent an angel to Joseph. You're going to be okay. He's going to keep you. It's okay. He fainted, but we woke him back up. A little smell and salts every six hours. He'll be okay. So they're engaged to be married. And the only problem with this pregnancy, like many pregnancies, it just didn't come in the perfect timing. This pregnancy came in the middle of a census. Where Caesar Augustus decided that he didn't know if everybody was paying taxes the way that they should. So he said, hey, I got to count everybody up. Go to your hometown and make yourself registered as a citizen. Now here in the States, when we have a census, it's like one extra form on the end of your voting card. Or they'll send a form to your house or whatever maybe. No, no, no. Back then, you had to go home. How many people, you're not originally from Maryland, you're from, you're from somewhere else, you're not from Maryland, not from Maryland, not from Maryland, okay. How, how many of y'all, you're just not from the East Coast, like you're not, it's not a drive, come on now, West Side. <laughs> Sorry, I can't crip walk, I wish I could, but anyway, how many people, you're not from the States, you're from another country, another country, another country, yo, you'd have to get on a plane. <laughs> like, like when we were talking about senses, we're talking about a trip with a woman who is 10 months. Can we just say a prayer for Joseph? <laughs> Mary probably hadn't slept in three months. The little cushion that's supposed to make you feel comfortable wasn't making her comfortable. Nothing was working, and she just, can I get this alien out of me? Joseph had one job. He only had one job. He didn't have to give birth. He didn't have to carry the baby. He just had to make a reservation. It's your only job. It's your only job. You ain't got to be the dad. You just got to make, and the one... <laughs> He dropped the ball. Could you imagine how Mary was fussing him out? You had one job, Joe, one job. My dad told me not to marry no carpenter. <laughs> and they get, to, they get to Bethlehem and they're knocking on this door. Sorry, hey, it's the census. You knew. There's, you knew, Joe. And they knock on the next door and the next they get to the last inn. And the innkeeper says, I'm so sorry. And we have no room. There's nowhere to put him. He slams the door in their face. There's no room for Jesus. Can I give you the message today? Is your life too busy to make room for Jesus? Because I'm telling you this day, he is knocking at the door of your heart, saying, I would love to birth something new in your life. I would love to bring a new peace, a new joy, a new hope into your life. The question is, is your in all filled up? Or is there space for Jesus to step in? I was thinking about this, and if you think about your life as an inn, there's different things that can fill us up and make no room for Jesus to do anything new. One of the things that crossed my mind that can fill our life up is what I call goals and greeds. Come on now. 
I'm going to be about my hustle. I got plans. I got goals. I'm going to be the number one salesperson this year. I'm going to get that promotion. My business is going to triple in the next 24 months or whatever it may be. I have my vision board all cut out on my wall. I look at that house I want or that car or whatever it may be. It's amazing how we have this picture of what we want life to look like. And the picture's always over there and we're always here. Isn't it amazing the goals that we have for our life is never the reality that we're in right now? And one of the things that I've discovered is when, and, and I'm, I'm one of those type A goal-oriented, I love New Year's. Like, I'm about to preach the paint off this wall come January, man. I'm going to have y'all writing everything out. I love goals. The only thing I've discovered is every time I get to the goal, it turned out not to be the goal. It turned out just to be a mile marker to the goal. And then I get to the next goal and I realize that wasn't the goal either. That was just, a, isn't it amazing how goals keep moving? And you never get to the place where you feel like I've arrived. I mean, think about it. When you were in high school, all you could think about was getting out of your parents' house. I can't wait to get to college. I'm going to be free. They can't tell me what to do. You get to college and guess what? You're free and you're broke. <laughs> Because you realize your parents were subsidizing your entire life. And now, remember being a senior and you could not even bring yourself to go to class? <laughs> You're like, they're going to give me the degree anyway. I just, apparently they don't care if you go to class, but they care if you pay them parking tickets. You ain't getting no degree without paying those. I'm still waiting on my degree. But anyway. <laughs> But you get out of college, you're like, finally, I'm out. I got a job. I'm free. Only thing is, after you get out of college, you realize you're still broke because you got a pretty bad job and you got all the student loans you got to pay off. And then as soon as you get through that whole work thing, you're like, man, I can't wait to get married. And the second you get married, you've been married for 13 minutes. And here they come. You're glowing. No, that's Vaseline. Leave me alone. Like, when, when are you going to put some buns in the oven? When are you going to make me a grandma? When are you going to make me? You go have a baby. Like, let me just breathe. And then what happens? You finally have the baby. And as soon as you have the baby, you can't wait for them to move out. You've been here for 14 years. You can't find anywhere else to live. I mean, and then they move out. You're like, are you going to get married? And then they get married. You're like, well, there's any buns in the oven? And it just repeats. There's always next, 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 next. And if we're not careful, we can be so focused on our next goal that there's no room for God anywhere in it. I've found that many of us, we protect our goals from God. Because all I've ever wanted in life was to be, was to live, was to. And I'm afraid that if I surrender that goal to God, he'll take it and replace it with something I don't like. So God, there's nowhere in my life for you with my plans. Another thing that I thought about that can fill up our proverbial end, some of us are filled up with what I call heartbreak, disappointment, and unforgiveness. Some of us are caught in the place where we have no emotional bandwidth for much of anything else because of the level of heartbreak and disappointment we're experiencing right now. Some of you are getting ready to go into another Christmas missing a family member that should have been around that tree, but they won't be. You thought they were coming out of that hospital. You thought they were coming out of that situation. That's not the way that it ended up. Maybe you find yourself with heartbreak over someone who's still alive and said they'd never leave you, but they did anyway. You find yourself visiting your children at somebody else's house or going through a foreclosure or bankruptcy or whatever. Maybe you just find yourself in a state of disappointment that is literally paralyzing. If you're in that situation, I'm telling you, I've been praying for you this week. 
I was actually thinking about it this morning. This is the sixth Christmas that I'm going to experience without my mother. And you know, God brings hope, God brings healing, but God just has not brought her pound cake yet. <laughs> and everybody else, I mean, no offense to everybody else, make pound cake your pound cake, you know, it's whatever. But it's just, it's just not mama's pound cake. And I was thinking about this, and, and, and please hear me, God, God brings comfort, God brings hope, and sometimes I could get really practical and, and cerebral, and I don't want to sound insensitive to your pain, but here's what I was thinking as I was praying over you this morning. It's my sixth Christmas without my mother, but it's my third Christmas with my daughter Zoe. It's my second Christmas with my son Roman, and it's my sixth Christmas with my wife Zai. And I realized, without even realizing it, I can rob Zoe, Roman, and Zai of joy because I'm heartbroken over who's not around the tree and I'm missing out on who is around the tree. And I'm just thinking, here am I heartbroken over who I'm missing. I'm missing my mom. And, and anybody who's lost a loved one, you know it's the holidays when it kind of hurts the most. And, and this is a thought that crossed my mind. And you know I'm a little ignorant. I'm like, but my mama ain't missing me. Because this Christmas, she's with Jesus at his party. <laughs> she got all the gifts she wanted. And I mean, it, the, the Bible says we don't mourn as unbelievers mourn. You see, when you don't know Christ, death is the end. But when you do know Christ, death is, I'll see you later. And not too soon, by the way. <laughs> I'm telling you, we could be so overcome with grief that there's no room in our lives for a God who wants to do something new. Another thing that can be filling up our proverbial in is what I call pride and self-reliance. Some of us are so full of ourselves <laughs> that there's no room for God. It sounds something like this. All I can trust is me. I've got my back. You know, people say they're going to be there for you, and they're, they're not going to be there. I've never let me down. That's not true. I've seen your credit score. You have let, <laughs> you've let yourself down a lot of times. <laughs> oh, 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 Merry Christmas. <laughs> but no, no, we get this mindset of all I can trust, all I can rely on is me. Can I tell you, that's humanism and it's idolatry. Because what you're doing is you're having expectations of yourself, trust in yourself and reliance in yourself that only God can live up to those expectations. You're human, which means you're right like five out of 10 times. Okay, six, maybe. But you can't be in a position of, I don't need anything, I don't need anybody, I have what it takes. You don't have what, you, what it takes. In him, you have everything. In you, you're limited. I, I was thinking about this. Can I give you a litmus test to, to figure out if pride is a struggle in your life? Now, you could do two things. You could ask your spouse and they can tell you, or you could do it my way. So let's do it my way. Okay, breathe in, breathe out. Good job. If you're breathing, pride is probably your issue. Here's the thing as you read scripture, it doesn't often say if you struggle with pride. It just tells you how to deal with it. Because scripture makes the assumption that if you're breathing, this is a struggle. You, you ever been in a position where somebody told you you were wrong about something? And you just felt that tingle down your spine. You know that tingle I'm talking about? Where you, you know, you just got to take it because they write your paycheck or whatever it may be. But you're just... Mm. 
You, you know what I mean? Your, your husband or your wife tells you, hey, you did this wrong or you didn't send this out right or whatever it may be, and you're just biting down the, I know. Am I the only one that thinks of everything that person has done wrong? As they tell me, your face is wrong. <laughs> your breath is wrong. <laughs> That's pride. And the Bible says that pride comes before destruction. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. It says that God opposes the proud. We think that when there's pride in our life, God just steps back and removes his favor. No, scripture says when there's pride in our life, God works against us, closing doors, making sure that we're boxed in until we come to a place of humility. Because he knows that when there's pride, there's no room for him. And where he is not, there's no room for peace, no room for a vision, no room for joy. Another thought that comes to my mind is some of our lives can be filled up with what I call fears, family, and financial pressures. You may find yourself in a position where the reality of your life is everything that you said it would not be. You ever, you ever had those like inner vows, I'm not going to be broke. I'm never going to be opening my heart up to somebody like that again. I'm never going to this, I'm never going to that, I'm never going to this. And then you look up and you're right there. Here's why. Because what you're never going to do is not a vision for your life. It's simply running away from, can I say, a ghost? And the reality is your fear is actually faith in the enemy's future for your life. And fear actually becomes your reality because it pushes you to run from something that you're actually speaking over your own life. I'm going to be there for my kids. I'm not going to abandon them or neglect them the way that I was. And then in your effort to do that, you find different things falling apart. And here is God knocking at the door, knocking at the door. You, you ever had somebody delivering a package or, or ringing your doorbell? You just assumed it was a delivery. And after they keep ringing, it's like, just leave it there. You realize it's not a delivery. It's a friend that came to visit. Here it is God ringing your doorbell, ringing your doorbell, ringing the doorbell. And you're just like, leave it there. It's like, I didn't come to deliver something. I came to step in. As I was thinking about this in, they had no room for Jesus. They were filled with people, but that in was void of hope. It was full of people, but it was void of the Prince of Peace. It was full of people, but it was void of joy. Could it be that our lives are busy, our lives are full, but yet empty at the same time? I want to give you just three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts about how to make room in my life for Christ. The first thought is this, you actually don't need more room. You don't need more room. I think there's a couple of different layers to insanity, and I'm working my way through them. Many people think those people that talk to themselves are crazy. I think only the greats talk to themselves. I think it only becomes a problem when you're yelling at yourself in public. That's a little bit awkward. Do that in private in your own time. But I think talking to yourself is normal. I think where it becomes a problem is when you start lying to yourself. That's when you're in trouble. The real problem is when you believe the lies that you tell yourself. You ever told yourself a lie and then you believed it? I realize I've actually been lying to myself. Can I tell you the lie I tell myself and I believe? This is just a season. You ever told yourself that lie? Oh, this is just a season. This is a busy season. Oh, this is just a season where I have to, I have to put in some extra time and some extra, it won't be this way all the time. We, we have this mindset that this is a season and there's going to be a time coming up ahead where we're going to have more time, more emotional margin, more, more space to focus on relationships or God or whatever it may be. Can we talk about seasons for a second? There's four. 
winter, spring, summer, fall. <laughs> At least in Maryland, right? There's 12 months in the year, which means each season has, give or take, about three months. So here's something practical Stephen learned about seasons. If it's longer than three months, it's not a season. If whatever you're calling a season lasts longer than three months, it is not a season. It is your new reality. Sorry, parents. Toddler, that's not a season. That little booger going to be there for a few years. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a season. It's the reality. And when we call it a season, we're waiting for a day of more time and or space in our life. And that day is not coming. I've learned, though, it's not more room in my life I need. I actually saw this analogy, and I was like, man, this, this works perfectly. Picture these two jars, or this jar in particular, as this is your life filled to the brim with a whole bunch of stuff. This is, this is work and that project and that, that, that travel team. And All right, I'm lying. This is Instagram. This is Netflix. This is Facebook. This is what are they doing? It's filled up. And here is God saying, hey, I want space in your life to lead it and to guide it. And you're like, all right, God, I mean, you kind of fit, but there's not much room. Wait, huh? You want me to build your kingdom? Everything else I have going on? Wait, you want me to care about other people? There's, there's, you ever got yourself telling God how busy you are? You know, the one who has the whole world in his hand, that God. <laughs> and, you, and, and we're not bold enough to pray it, but we think it. We think things like, what else do you want from me? I feel like I'm drowning. There's no more room. And here's what I discovered. Somebody say big rocks. It's not that you need more room, more space. You get 24 hours just like everybody else. But I've discovered that when your priorities are in order, when, when, when you put God in first, no, it's not after work. It, it, it's not after the kids. It's not after this. It's not after that. I'm a little nervous because Elon Musk tried this little rock and glass thing and it didn't go out too well for him. And it's like, God, please let this work. Boy, so you, 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 you put God in, in, in first. All right, there we go. And, 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 and his, his, his plans and, and his kingdom. It, it says this in Matthew 6, It says, instead of the way you're doing it, desire first. Listen to me. Not only, he's not saying to be a 24-7 Bible thumper who just prays and fasts all day. He says, but first, my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things, watch this, will be given to you as well. It's amazing when I put God first in my life and then I add work and, and then I add school and, 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 and the house and the job and the business and, and the in-laws and the outlaws and all that other kind of stuff. It's amazing how it all fits when I put it in order. I feel like a magician. <laughs> we have... We think God wants to be first in our life. Can I tell you what God first looks like? Sunday is the first day of the week. Sunday's the day that I go to church. I have my church. God, you the first. See you next week. I got to go to work on Monday. And then Monday you're work, but God's still on Sunday. 
Tuesday, you get on the plane for that trip you have to go to. Wednesday is marital fight day. I don't know why it's the best day to fight is Wednesday, but got to do that. Thursday, I whoop the kids. Friday is my day. Saturday, I repent. And And God's like, no, no, no. I don't want to be first. I want to be the center. So yes, worship me on Sunday, but when it comes to Monday, bring me with you to work. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you wisdom and ideas and favor that you can never see. When you get on that plane, the pilot is sleeping. You want me on that plane with you. And oh, if you would just include God in your fights. You know God likes a good fight. Like If you ever watched a good fight, like UFC or whatever, there's not two fighters. There's always a ref. Like, let God in your fights. He would love it. Hey, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Everybody gets an eight count. Wait, hold on. Seven, six. She's getting up. She's getting up. Okay, okay, she's up. Tell her about her mama. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm telling God says, I want to be the center. And if you would think about me as you're making your business plans, and you would think about me as you're raising your kids, and you would submit your life to me, he said, the rest will fit, but you won't have to work for the rest because I'll add it on to you. The second thing in making sure that you're not too full for God is don't judge on appearance. Don't judge things based on appearance. Theologians believe that Mary and Joseph were probably poor. They probably did not have many means, and here's why. Because if Joseph had knocked on the door of that inn, and he was just bouncing a a, a jar of gold coins, hey, I heard you all booked up, huh? (laughs) That innkeeper was like, actually, you could have my room. That, that, that's how it worked back then. If you had money, they made space. But he opened that door and he looked at this carpenter, this young pregnant girl, sinners. <laughs> He's like, I don't have any room for you. He slammed the door in the face. Here's what I've discovered about the miracles of God. They rarely look like I think they're going to look. And they rarely come when I think they're going to come. Maybe you're in a position where you're just not expecting or looking for something now. That's probably the time that God's going to bring it. Maybe you're in here and you came out of a relationship and your heart was broken and you just say, you know, I'm just dating Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I wish I can clear that up. Jesus has a bride. It's called the church. He, he, ain't, he, ain't, he ain't dating you. <laughs> but you just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not considering anything. I'm not looking. Who said that? You are God. Is that something God told you or is that something that you told you? And it could be that the exact miracle that you've been believing for, just go ahead and look down your road. Just see, just see, just see, just see. Maybe not, maybe, okay, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. I'm just, I'm reaching a little bit. (laughs) But I'm telling you, as long as it has to fit into our life plans, you may just maybe miss what God has for you. The last thing is this. You gotta make a decision. I'm gonna let God bring something new. I'm gonna let him do something. Somebody say new. Let him do something new. Like, like how long have you been you? Forever. How long you been that stubborn? Hmm? How long you've been that reserved? How long you've been in control? How, why not let him do something new? I found there's certain people that they don't like change. It's not that they don't like change. It's not that I don't like change. I just don't like change that I don't have control over. You don't like change. The problem is if you're a person that doesn't like change, how are you going to deal with a God that calls himself the God who does new things? 
He said, the things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive is what God has in store for you. He's the God that makes water in the wilderness. He's the God that calls things that are not as though they are, that looks at dead things and calls them alive. As long as you're blocked off to change, you'll be blocked off to the miracle that God has for you. Now, if you've ever heard me preach before, you know I am an equal opportunity offender. There's some people who don't like change, and then there's the rest of us where we love change. Any risk takers in the room, anybody like me, that if you don't take a risk every three months, you start breaking out in hives. I'm like, babe, we got to buy a foreclosure. We got to do something. I mean, I'm, yeah, I haven't taken a risk in like three months. For us, we move so much, sometimes it can be difficult for God to finish what he started in our lives. The Bible said, he who began a good work will see it through to completion, but I can't see it through to completion because you're too busy jumping from job to job to job or relationship to relationship. He's like, no, 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 just sit still and let me do something new, do something different, do something out of the ordinary. I don't know why that innkeeper didn't let them in. I think one of the reasons why he didn't let them in is because they would have messed up his system. He said, my in, it's all neat. Everybody's booked, everybody's in their room, and letting you in is gonna disrupt my plans. Listen, God is a disruptor. If you're the type of person where you just want everything the way you have it, you may miss out on the greatest miracle you could ever imagine. I think another reason why he didn't wanna let them in is because he really was full, and in order to let Jesus in, he would've had to kick somebody out. And he was more concerned about offending and human than he was about offending the creator. Some of us were more concerned about offending mama who had a plan for our life. Or daddy who said, you know, make something of yourself. Or we're more people pleasers than we are God pleasers. Here it is, Joseph's pounding on the door. He said, you don't understand. I've been to every other inn. There's no room. My wife is pregnant. You got to do something. This innkeeper's like, what do you want from me? I mean, we're all, all right, all right, all right. I don't have any other room in the inn. But I do have this, there's this barn out back. It's where we keep the animals, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's pretty dirty. There's no, it's no place to have a baby. But if you, you want that, you're, you're, you're welcome to it. I mean, I'm going to charge you, but you're, you're welcome to it. Got a couple cloths or whatever it may be. If you want to use that, you can, you can go use that. Is it all right if I say something strong? We'll eat, drink eggnog afterwards. It's probably spiked. We'll be okay. <laughs> I feel like some of us feel like we've given Jesus access to our lives. I was raised right. I, I know to give the big man upstairs his, his due. By the way, this is just a pet peeve. I feel like if you call him the big man upstairs, you don't know him. Like, this just, that's just me. But anyway, you know, I, I go to church. I'm a good Christian. You know, I, I give my tithe or whatever it may be. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Christian. I feel like some of us, we feel like we've given Jesus access to our lives, but in actuality, what we've done is we've relegated him to some barn out back. We said, hey, I'm going to work and I don't really need you messing with that. And I'm not going to allow you into my marriage because I'm the man and nobody tells me what to do. And I have plans for my kids and I don't really care what your plans are. But, but, but you go out into that stable that we call Sunday. 
and I'll meet you there and I'll sing the songs and I'll I'll give you my 10% and I'll worship you there, but I want you in a space where I can control you. You don't have access to the whole thing. And God says, I didn't come to this earth, give up my divinity, come as a baby to be in a barn. I came to fill every crevice, every area of your life with peace and with joy and with hope. The question is, are you gonna let him in? Yeah, it might disrupt some things. Yeah, it might offend some folks. But are you going to let him in? The story goes on to say this in verse 8. It says, now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good news, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David the Savior. Oh, and he's the Messiah. He is Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And watch this. Somebody say suddenly. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heaven. The sky erupted with hundreds and thousands, maybe even millions of angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. You ever been watching a DVD? I don't know if people watch DVDs anymore. That's so like 2017. But uh, you ever watch a DVD and at the end they have this thing on the menu called alternative endings? Maybe you watch a 007 or, or Mission Impossible or whatever. And basically the producer's like, we couldn't decide how to end this movie. So we went with this. But if you didn't like this, there's two other endings. I believe these millions of angels showing up to the shepherds was an alternative ending. Jesus was never supposed to be in that manger, which means they wouldn't have had to tell the shepherds if they had opened the door in the inn. Just for imagination's sake, could you imagine if that innkeeper had let them in? That he had given them his own room. Hey, I'll stay up all night. You can deliver the baby in my room. First of all, everybody in the inn would have woke up. Oh, you had heard that. You, <laughs> you ain't sleeping at night. This is, this is not that night. But could you imagine what it would have happened in that inn when that angel showed up? To announce to all the people spending the night at the inn that the Messiah had just been born in room 2217? Could you imagine what would have happened in Bethlehem when millions of angels showed up over this hotel and everybody realized something's important is happening? Could you imagine what would happen in your marriage if you allowed Christ in and you stopped bickering over he said and she said and your mama did this or whatever it may be? Could you imagine what would happen in your business? Like, can we get practical for a moment? Do you know how much he could charge for those in rooms if Jesus had been born in one of those rooms? Like, this is the hotel where the Messiah, 2,000 a night. Who wants it? Don't touch that doorknob. That's the Messiah's doorknob. Like, that innkeeper's life would have been forever transformed because of the miracle that took place. But instead of a miracle happening in his inn, It happened out back in the barn. Don't let the miracle that God has for you happen in the back of your life because he wants to be the center. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that out of all the millions of people in this world and throughout history, God, you've sought us out. You've knocked on our door because you desire to step into our lives. God, we're thankful. 
God, we're, imagine the fact that my life is so messy and you still want it. I've made so many mistakes and you still want it. God, I can't even understand it, but I'm grateful for it. Just where you are, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to, to make this message personal to you. And, and here's what I believe he's asking you. Are you going to let me in that area of your life? You know, that area that you thought I didn't care about. Are you going to let me into your mental health struggle? Are you going to let me into that business that's thriving, that's growing, but you're slowly losing your passion for it? Are you going to let me into that marriage that no matter how much you argue and how much counseling you go through, it doesn't seem to be getting any better? Are you going to let me in? For some of you, I believe what he's saying is, are you going to let me in at all? Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church. You probably could have preached this message better than I did. Or maybe this is your first time in a, in a church experience, but in your heart of hearts, you know, I can't say that I have a personal relationship with God. I can't say that I've ever given him access to my life. But I want to. I want the creator of the universe to be a part of my world. If that's you, right where you're sitting or right where you're watching. You can, you can make that decision right now. Can you pray this prayer with me? Matter of fact, every single person in the room, out of encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross and to raise again so that my sin can be erased. Be my Lord and my savior and use me for your glory fill my life with your power in jesus name amen and amen and amen come on church can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever thanks again for tuning into this week's message if you want to learn more about our church check us out at www.yourdestiny.church Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.